This is the Sports Map Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. Joining us on the Progressive Hotline, Progressive makes it easy to bundle home auto insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com. Longtime NBA insider, friend of the program. He's our buddy, Bill Arenda. Bill, how you doing tonight, brother? It's good to talk to you, man. Same here, Patrick. And uh, maybe it's a sigh of relief, not a Santa Ana wind, but a Zephyr, a sigh of relief for Clippers fans tonight here in Los Angeles. Ha- are, are, is it safe to say that the rumors regarding uh, Kawhi Leonard's demise, uh, perhaps a bit premature? Highly exaggerated, exactly like Mark Twain. A very efficient night uh, thus far, 34 points on 17 field goals, 3 of 5 from 3, 5 of 5 from the line. Paul George, 29 points on 17 field goals. And, of course, Marcus Morris Sr., 15 points, knocking down some threes, so getting production uh, with that, in addition to uh, the big two for the Clippers. And I think, Patrick, what this says is never too high, never too low is a mantra that should never be uh, neglected in the NBA. And as UB Brown says, an NBA game is never over and a series is never over. And this complexion will change drastically if the Clippers hang on. They're up 10 under three minutes to go. Yeah. Bill, this is something that I didn't understand from the beginning, and I still don't. And and maybe you can clarify it for a dummy like me. But Kawhi Leonard, who has won championships uh, on multiple teams, who was the man in Toronto in leading them to a title, how is it two postseasons later the narrative is Kawhi is overrated, he's not that good, he can't be the number one guy. Did I time warp somewhere? Is the whole damn world on drugs? Like, Where did this come from? <laughs> I think it's blogger demagoguery. I, I think it's, you know, uh, really panic, uh, Patrick, is, is what it is. And obviously he's one of the best two-way players in the league and get to his spot offensively almost at will. Uh, tremendous in the mid-range. And listen, under the gun tonight, down 19 in the first quarter. But again, we know an NBA game is, you know, creating, sustaining, and surviving runs. And, you know, for the Clippers to finish this, okay, it's a good first step. But, yeah, you should never doubt a talent like Kawhi Leonard. You know, uh, aside from the, you know, Paul George actually playing well and not being playoff P, uh, Interesting decision in this game as the Clips get away from Beverly really quick and go to Rajon Rondo, and their fortunes turn. Is Rondo, and we've seen Rondo play on playoff teams, and he's a guy with rings, and he's a guy with a lot of playoff experience. You know, you saw the reports of, you know, uh, the Mavericks getting frustrated because Rajon Rondo's out there calling their plays before they get into them, and, well, he hasn't played on the team in, what, six years, and he still knows all their plays. Uh, Is Rondo the guy who should be getting the playing time because of what he brings to the floor uh, in the postseason? Oh, there's no question about that. I I believe so. And you look at the numbers tonight, 
Rondo, plus 22. And another guy who should not be overlooked due to his defensive prowess, Terrence Mann, plus 18. Uh, so from that standpoint, yes. Uh, radio hosts, present company excluded, looked at me askance when the King signed Rondo a number of years ago. And you're right, not everything that counts can be counted, as Einstein says. So you can look at Rondo's numbers, but you can also look at the intangibles, what he brings to the team, and you alluded to it, his uncanny knack, photographic memory, and just that habit of winning that he brings. And, of course, Lawrence Frank has said this with the acquisition of Rondo, that he wanted to establish championship habits when they acquired him, and now they want to be a turn-up-the-dial team, not a flip-the-switch team, which he said they were last season. Rondo, a big part of that. Now, if you're the Mavs, and you're down nine with a minute to go, and you're shooting 52.5% from three, but you're down nine with a minute to go, how do you rectify this in your brain and get ready for a game four? Well, I, I think what you have to do if you're Dallas is understand that uh, you gave your best shot in L.A. You got the two-zip series lead. You also had an auspicious start. You're up 19. But listen, you know this Clippers team has oodles of talent, and they were going to bring their best shot tonight, which they did. So I think for Dallas, what you have to do, Patrick, is just kind of recalibrate, believe in yourself, defend, take care of the basketball. And I think tonight, you know, Porzingis has been quite quiet. Uh, Brunson has been great off the bench. He has 14 currently. Uh, but they need a little bit more, uh, just nine points for Porzingis. Currently a quiet night for Hardaway, just 12. So I think from, from uh, the Dallas lens, you need more than just Doncic. you got to get those guys engaged offensively. Bill, let's talk about our Knicks here because um, Julius Randle won an award and then forgot how to shoot, apparently. Two of 15. R.J. Barrett was two of nine. Burks is two of eight. Quickly is two of eight. What is wrong with the Knicks offense all of a sudden? Nobody not named Derrick Rose knows what a basket is. <laughs> it's, I think simply said... It's the playoffs. Those three-point shots that are open are no longer open. And as Gordy Chiesa, the great assistant to the late Jerry Sloan, says the playoffs are scoring through physicality. And usually, not all the time, but usually the teams that win these games are the teams that score the most points in the fourth quarter below the free-throw line extended. And we knew with the Knicks, the defense, tenacious, exquisite, and unbelievable turnaround under Tibbs but offensively, they have flaws. They did struggle during the season. Of course, they came on strong. But I'm not surprised that the offensive woes have come back to New York in a playoff scenario where teams are going to take away three-point shots and your first uh, and second options frequently. So I'm not surprised that this is occurring. And again, not only is it the playoffs, Patrick, but tonight they were on the road. Give Atlanta credit. You know, I might have to. I might have to eat a little hat here. I was not a fan of the Derrick Rose acquisition. Uh, I wanted to see them develop their young guys. I wanted quickly and, and top and to get more playing time. Uh, I was afraid. You know, Derrick Rose's defensive shortcomings are well chronicled. I didn't see how 
you know, Derrick Rose part two in New York was going to benefit this team. Uh, he's been their best player in the playoffs. How about this tweet, Patrick? I'm going to read it in part. Derrick Rose is one of the most singularly unique players in the history of the league, given his pedigree, where he's at, his age right now, and what he's been able to accomplish. This is a tweet by Jim Peterson, the Timberwolves analyst on the TV side, back in November of 2018 after a 50-point performance. And again, he finds it with Tibbs, the poise and equanimity under pressure, the ability to get the spots to finish. Uh, he has been uh, amazing, but he's another guy in a similar way, some question marks like Rondo, but again, I was very bullish on this acquisition for New York, and they gave up very little, right, in exchange to get him. Dennis Smith Jr. and a future draft pick, a brilliant move uh, by Knicks management. Where do you stand with the Knicks? Are they, are they going to able to, to overcome a 2-1 deficit? Or is this team just not ready for the postseason yet? The offensive woes concern me. And I think this could go seven. I think it could go the distance, Patrick. And I think it's going to boil down to who makes more plays at winning time. Is it Derrick Rose or is it Trey Young? And I really like Atlanta's depth. Uh, Their front court with Capella Collins uh, has obviously given uh, Randall a lot. I love Hunter's uh, two-way ability. Uh, plus, of course, Bogdanovich and Lou Williams, their perimeter games. I think this just go, it could go seven. I think this series is probably the most intriguing, and uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's a toss-up, and home court could be a factor here. And another Gordy Chase stat, in the last 40 years, in game sevens, 82% of the time the home team has won. Just something to think about. Bill, uh, in a series that a day ago looked like it might only go four, Kevin Durant put up 39 points tonight on 13 of 24 shooting. James Harden scored 41 on 11 of 18 shooting, including seven triples. The Nets lost. How is that possible? (laughs) Well, there's a guy by the name of Jason Tatum who went for 50, uh, and that explains it. it, you know, in a nutshell, a unbelievable performance on their home floor up in B-Town. I, I still think the Nets get this thing done. Uh, but I, I was surprised that the Celts had that type of uh, effort. But again, I, I just don't believe that Tatum's going to be able to do that three more times. Patrick. I don't think anyone's expecting that. But it took a special performance for Boston to get it done. And he delivered in a major way tonight. I mean, if you told me Durant and Harden scored 80 combined, I'd tell you the Brooklyn Nets winning percentage is 1,000. The fact that those two guys can put up 80 points and, and shooting like 60-plus percent between them and still lost, that's, that is almost like does not compute. And here's another thing to think about. UB Brown's cardinal rule of playoff basketball, can you control your defensive board? The Celtics had 13 offensive rebounds. They were plus nine rebound margin overall. And guess what, Patrick? Second chance points, they were plus eight, 13 to five in that category. So that was a major factor 
uh, for Boston's success tonight. Plus, the Nets had 10 turn- turnovers, but they were deleterious. They led to 18 Celtic points. You know, uh, we're going to wrap up here in a second, but, you know, we're talking about, like, stats that don't equate. How about this one? The Knicks outshot the Hawks 30-8 to from the foul line and lost by 11. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It was a huge differential uh, that was being amplified uh, on the Hawks radio network. But again, Atlanta plus seven threes made plus 21 points in that category. So that kind of uh, even things out. And also, Patrick, 52% for Atlanta from the floor where the Knicks really struggled, just 29 of 81 overall uh, to the tune of 36%. Bill, uh, last one here before we got to let you go. Uh, you've seen all the boorish behavior by fans lately. The NBA had to put out a memo. Are you concerned we might see another malice at the palace type event with fan behavior being what it is? I, I don't think so. I, I think that really was an extreme one-off case, and I certainly hope it doesn't occur. But I think what the NBA is doing is smart because you've got to draw the line We've got to treat each other with respect, and it cannot be tolerated uh, what's gone on in these different buildings and these different arenas. So I hope and pray it doesn't happen, Patrick. I, I, I don't think it will, and I commend the league for taking steps. You pay for your tickets, but you've got to treat people with respect. There's got to be a culture of respect systemically throughout the league for all constituencies, fans included. Longtime NBA insider and famous actor, by the way, Bill Arenda, with us on the Progressive Hotline. Follow him on Twitter at Bill Arenda. Bill, always great to talk to you, buddy. We'll talk soon. My pleasure, Patrick. Anytime. All right. Bill Arenda with us on the Progressive Hotline. Uh, See how much you can save when you bundle home and auto at Progressive.com. 